0: The summer before my senior year of high school, I did not know how to answer the question that all of the adults would ask me, Mackenzie, where are you going for college? I literally had no idea. I knew that I didn't want to stay in North Dakota where I had lived my entire life and I didn't want to be like every other senior in my graduating class of 400 plus students in North Dakota who stay in North Dakota, attend a state university and major in business or nursing. And there's nothing wrong with that path of life, but I just knew that it wasn't for me. So instead, on a random summer night, I literally Googled best Christian colleges in Minnesota because I wanted a Christian college because I thought it would be the best for me. And as much as I'm ashamed to admit it, I really wanted to leave North Dakota and just get outside of that bubble. So in my Google search results, there was the College of St. Benedict's, Concordia, University of St. Thomas, University of Northwestern St. Paul, Bethel University and more. And so I just started touring all these universities. And after about eight months of weighing all of my options, I ultimately decided on Bethel University. And despite my resentment of not wanting to be like everyone else, I ended up choosing business as a major in addition to a Spanish minor just because I didn't really know what I wanted to do yet. But fast forward to the summer before starting my freshman year at Bethel, I was sitting in my bed one night and The anxious thoughts of not knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up was just racing through my head, and it was awful. But out of nowhere, I kind of just paused and thought to myself, why don't I major in journalism? And that thought kind of came out of nowhere. I don't really know, like, from what area of my brain it came from, but for some reason, I knew that it was a good decision. So I emailed the registrar's office at Bethel and just on the spot added journalism to my major, and I have not looked back since. And now as a sophomore journalism and Spanish student, I like to giggle when everyone (laughs) asks me, why did you choose Bethel? What made you want to choose journalism? And I just think it's so funny because all it was was just a quick Google search and an intrusive thought. But it all stemmed from the desire of not wanting to be like everyone else.
1: Wow, thanks for sharing your story. I absolutely love that. Coming from a senior class of over 300 students, I can only imagine. And just thinking how this is just proof of the power of the internet. So just thinking about how our, how our parents would have found out about Bethel, it would not have been from the internet. So I'm so glad that God, that, how, how he brought you here to Bethel. And I would just love to know, trying to uh, just coming off all of this, um, what has what has surprised you about Bethel like the most over time you would say?
0: Yeah, I think the most surprising thing is just how much I have gained from the journalism department. I truly don't think that I would have had the opportunities that I've had thus far into my sophomore year than I would have had at any other college. Um, I started writing for the school's newspaper pretty much a month into freshman year. I had an internship this past summer with um, a nonprofit magazine, Um, went to a different country this past January to study abroad for journalism. And I just was not expecting to get so much out of Bethel, but I know that I wouldn't have gotten that anywhere else. So I think that's just been super eye-opening, but super, it's been like an unwanted, but very welcomed blessing in my life.
2: Yeah, uh, going back to how you had to like look this up, to me, that's a crazy idea. I went to a school (laughs) where it's almost expected that you go to a Bethel or Northwestern
0: Welcome to the Modern Story Podcast, episode number five. Today, we're telling stories about how we can turn the world inside out and upside down by staying true to ourselves and going against the grain in corporate America and the trends of today's generation. I'm Mackenzie Johnson, and I like 40s music, making dinner with friends, and having impromptu dance parties in the living room.
1: And my name is Hannah Honoff, and I like shopping at unique boutiques, traveling to countries across Europe, and scouting the best coffee shops in the Twin Cities area.
2: I'm Alex Edstrom, and I like baking cake, co- cake balls, or cupcakes. I also like playing team sports like soccer and basketball, and I love making money through business.
0: But let's get started with Hannah and her story called "Revelations from an Integrated Marketing Campaign." I slipped into
1: my a J Crew blouse, navy dress pants, and a matching blazer, feeling like a stylish executive. Featured in a Nordstrom catalog cover, a pair of navy three-inch Armani heels completed the look. Four knitted Love Your Melon beanies, a light blue campaign poster board, and a large gray Kate Spade purse were sitting in the back seat of my silver Jeep Cherokee. As an avid member of ADECA, a marketing and entrepreneurship club for emerging leaders, I reached for my golden boss portfolio case and quickly pinned my circular royal blue ADECA pin onto the left side of my suit. Remember the three H's, heart, hustle, and humility. My dad enthusiastically yelled as I exited out my front door. swiftly walking down my imaginary red carpet with Macklemore's song, a glorious a stuck of my head, my heels clicked and clacked as they hit the icy cement like a, rain, like a trail of rainbow gumdrops sliding out a fire truck red canister. The countless hours studying over 300 marketing vocabulary analyzing dozens of case studies and meticulously developing a 10-page integrated marketing campaign for the accessories company Love Your Melon all amounted to this very day, the ADECA regional competition at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in Minneapolis sitting in a couch, sitting in a coach bus on my way to the competition i set my eyes on the sparkling blue translucent minneapolis sky the city was calling with the target corporation and the u.s bank plaza in sight when the bus came to a screeching halt i felt my nervous ab- a butterfly shift to steadfast excitement The frigid winter wind, not nearly as strong as my heart and my hustle almost blew my pearl necklace off its latchet as I walked up the the steps of the the Minneapolis Hyatt Regency Hotel. On my way to the elevator, I passed by a sea of black suits and cheap-spelling perfume and pretentious smiles, briefcases in hand, French manicures galore, business cards in pockets." The 22nd elevator ride up to the fourth floor gave me a window to really think about corporate America. What is corporate America lacking? Do I want to be confined to a cubicle forever? How will I integrate my faith into the, into the workplace? Reciting Acts 2024 in my head, I entered the waiting room and felt the competition brewing. A blonde woman with a pink tweed blazer called my, called my name. I entered the room, set my present, I set my presentation board on a black easel and greeted four a judges sitting at a circular table. I started with the typical professional greeting, maintaining eye, maintaining eye contact and a very bright smile and transitioned to sharing my Love Your Melon, integrated marketing, integrated marketing campaigns, executive summary, and then, and then moved on to the campaign objectives. I soon felt a stir in my heart as I focused on the heart of my campaign. I ultimately suggested su- that Love Your Melon should tangibly embody their mission and values by shining the spotlight on the true heroes of its story, the millions of children battling cancer. Tears began to trickle down the a judge's eyes and they soon began to rally around the campaign's heartfelt purpose. In this very moment, um, numerous revelations about my future advertising and marketing career, um, marketing career um, just came just came to my mind. Amidst the glitz and glam of corporate America, there was a great deal of purpose missing. My purpose, found in Christ, ultimately was a force that was driving me all along. Cubicle or no, or, or no cubicle or no cubicle, I want my life to re- to reflect a sense of purpose that never runs dry. Winning a shiny second place medal did not compare to the, enlightened, to, to the enlightening revelations that I found that day. Purpose in corporate America is like a rare red a diamond which can enhance every endeavor along the way.
2: Well, first I'd like to say congrats on getting that second place medal. Uh, I know I personally have never done that at a business conference or anything like that in my career in high school. Uh, I've also never really heard of DECA personally. Um, about how many other students were there? Were they high school or college or where at?
1: So at this, so right now, this is like the regional competition. So it was not quite the state one yet. So there was probably about a thousand other students from various high schools, just in the Minnesota area. But yeah, it was, I mean, there was probably about, I would say maybe 20 to 30 people in my direct and marketing campaign category. So, I mean, it was still really hard even to place. So it was just great being around like, you know, a wide variety of people. But I would say there probably my chapter in high school was about 50 students.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, What made you choose Love Your Melon for your specific campaign?
1: Yeah, so honestly, I was just a really avid fan of their overall mission because it's one of their goals to put a hat on every child battling cancer in America, Mm -hmm. and I've always kind of had that innate drive to make a greater purpose in my work, and I also had owned probably like a dozen of their hats and like a whole rainbow of colors, so, and it was actually started by some students at the University of St. Thomas, which is really inspiring to look up from, yeah, and they're not that much older than we are, and they really started this company with just with a great mission in mind. So that was one of the reasons why I chose it. And as an Avid customer as well. So kind of like the the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah, that's cool.
1: Here is Alex and his story about how business gave me purpose.
2: Yeah, so my story starts all the way back in elementary school. Uh, Back in elementary, I would bring snacks of goldfish or Cheez-Its or just those like casual snacks that you'd bring to class. And unlike most of the classmates that I had, I got to pack my own snacks and my lunches sort of thing. Whereas most of my other classmates, they would have their parents do it. And then of course, who would have an apple or something healthy that most kids don't really want. And so they would always come over to me and they'd ask for some. And One thing that I love doing is I love making other people happy. I love seeing the smile on their face. And so I would give it to them. I'd give them some, and I'd kind of hand it out during class. Uh, This would then lead me to start to sell the stuff in class for these fake dollars that we would use and we would get for being good. And so I would continue this deal where someone would come up to me and I would give them some food uh, for these fake dollars. Eventually, this led me to start bringing more and more snacks. So I would have two large bags of snacks that I could start handing out for money. And this really just made me love business. And I didn't even know what business was at this time. I just knew, hey, people were happy and I have all the fake money in the world. And so this would then lead into high school where I started to learn more and more about business and it became me selling different types of snacks, whether they were Cheez-Its, Goldfish, or drinks, Pop, Gatorades, different stuff like that. And I would be selling it for real money. This would eventually grow to where I had some teachers actually help me selling these products because they just wanted to help. They liked seeing people doing business. And so they came up with an idea where, hey, if we bring you five customers, can we get something for free? I'd sell my things for a dollar. So a five new customers for one thing free. That's a good deal to me. This then got the attention of administration who got very upset because they had a vending machine on campus and I was taking all that business from the vending machine. So they came up to me and they had told me to stop because it was hurting their stuff. Well, I didn't really listen. I went against them because if I was to stop, then all my customers would start having to pay higher prices and they want to get what they wanted uh, because our vending machine was also a healthy vending machine. So I continued to do this business, but I didn't have the help of the teachers anymore. And I did it more in secret sort of thing with some close friends. But this would eventually lead to where my biggest issue came high schoolers don't have a lot of cash on hand. So I started a debt program where then I would give the product to them and I made a deal. Hey, you got one week. After that week, I'm gonna start doubling whatever you owe me. So I'd give them the thing for a dollar, a week later, if they haven't paid me by then, it becomes $2, next day it's $4, then eight and so on. This eventually led to one person in hundreds of dollars of debt. Yeah, this didn't go over well with them. They eventually went to their parents, and their parents went to administration. So now I got administration on me again a second time. Well, administration then talked with my parents, and my parents made me give all the money back that they had paid me, which they had owed me because of the deal that we had struck in the beginning. And administration also had me come into the office multiple times to talk about how I can't be doing this. Uh, It's not a good thing to have this sort of debt program. It's not okay. And they told me to shut down my business completely. Again, me not being a great student, I didn't really listen. And so I instead started to sell out of my locker. I had a lock on my locker and everything was hidden and only a few trusted friends knew what I was doing and they would be helping me out. And most of the time they would be the ones that wanted the snacks in general.
0: I think that your story is one of the funniest, but also one of the coolest like origin stories um, to someone finding their passion in a major or or a subject or whatever. Um, but it's like really oddly inspiring to hear how this kind of like comical event that you started in high school actually impacted your now college career. And I don't know, it's just so oddly bizarre, but so funny. Um, but I admire you and your passion a lot. Um, but now that you're in college, have you tried to sell things to your friends now?
2: Um, let's see. I do have a business um, that I do in essential oils. Um, mm-hmm. Young Living in specific Uh, I don't necessarily try to sell right now Um, I do have that as a company and I do run it but I don't sell to my friends now I kind of sell more to just people that I meet or sort of things like that Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of let my friends try the things that they like and I say hey I got a good enough business right now so feel free to use whatever you want
1: Alex, I think something that I found really interesting throughout this whole story is that you really want it to you know, make people happy and make them smile like in the field of business. So I'm just curious, is there anyone, especially in like the business field, will there be a public figure that you really admire and look up to in many ways?
2: Um, I think both my parents were the ones that I really looked up to. My mother was a finance uh, major and my dad worked a lot in sales. And so even though I didn't know what I was doing in business, I still got the idea. I still understood what it was from them. And so they kind of are the ones that I look up to. They're the ones that I base my stuff off of. But that idea of making people happy, that comes more from my grandparents, Um, just always being there, always putting a smile on my face. And that gave me the drive to make others happy. And I took my parents' business side and kind of combined them together.
1: Awesome. That is amazing.
2: And here's Mackenzie with her story called Cool No Matter What I Wear.
0: So for my sophomore year homecoming dance, my mom actually bought me a white dress with a cold shoulder and ruffles along it. And then I paid $30 with my own money for a pair of three-inch royal blue heels to wear with it. And then the night of, I ended up putting my hair in a high ponytail, and I wore bright red lipstick from Sephora. And one of the friends that I went to the dance with, her name was Riley, she told me I could never pull off a red lip with blue shoes. And all I could do was just very humbly and shyly reply, oh, thanks, but I was beaming on the inside. My outfit was unique, and people ate it up. And soon, I became addicted to the feeling of being different from others. Girls at my high school shopped at Hollister, and I shopped at The Gap. That made me sophisticated. They wore Lululemon Athletica leggings, and I wore a skirt. That made me stand out. They wore Converse, and I wore red boots. I liked to hear the click of the heels echo through the hallways. My Davies High School yearbook named Samantha Wilbershide as Best Dressed Girl our Senior Year, and I was so upset. I wanted that superlative because I thought that I dressed so differently than everyone else. And I thought that Samantha only won that because she sewed a DIY quilted jacket once and people were obsessed with it. I thought to myself, am I really that unique? But now at college, I wear a black denim jacket with my hand-painted words, that's cool, baby, on the back of it. I have a pair of green and white check trousers and I wear bright pink sweaters. One day as I walked Lee, as I briskly walked past the Brushaber Commons at college, a girl that I don't even know muttered out to me, You look so cool. And I was wearing light pink flare pants with red hearts all over them that day. Another day, I had boasted to a group of my friends saying that I hate trends and I never follow the fashion trends. But then one of them replied, Mackenzie, that's a blatant lie. You're the most uptight about trends all the time. I didn't know how to respond. I just thought, No way. They have to be lying, right? And I soon became hypersensitive about how I was dressing. I was embarrassed because I thought that I was so different from everyone else, that I was so much more cool and cute and fashionable. Trying to pick out an outfit in my dorm room was a nightmare now. No, I can't wear this because everyone else is. No, I can't wear that because people will think it's weird. No, I can't wear something that would actually make me feel good if people are going to judge me. What the hell am I thinking? So one day I grabbed my cream overalls, a mesh-sleeved black blouse, complete with a pair of light pink Mary Jane shoes. Who cares if people think I look like everyone else? Who cares if I'm following the latest trends? Who cares what I'm wearing as long as I feel good about myself? Life is too short to wear boring clothes anyways.
1: Let me just start off by saying that I love your iconic, that's cool, baby, jacket. And I love your outlook on trends. You know, trends are what you make of them, they truly come and go. But I just think it's really important, like also thinking about fashion as an art, and I see you do that, and I really admire that. And I just think, you know, there's so many trends, like, like the mom, like the mom jean trend that are going to be here for like a moment. And they're just going to pass away. So kind of making your own trends and being creative with how you dress is super important. I would love to know what was the process like of making that jacket and how does it make you feel when you wear it?
0: Yeah, so I actually took the idea for this jacket from one of the main singers of my favorite band. He had this, it was like a leather jacket that, I think the brand, like, Givenchy or something made, and it was like $3,000, and oh, so I wow. looked it up, and I was like, oh, I love that jacket, I think it's so cool, but it's so expensive, so I said, no way, I can totally just make this on my own, so I just bought a random, like, black denim jacket, I think it was on Amazon, Wow. but, um, yeah, and then I found this font on Pinterest, and I, I was so serious about it, I took white chalk, and I very delicately traced like, hand traced the letters. I had the font in front of me on my computer and had the chalk in my hand as I had, like, my leather jacket in my denim jacket in my lap and whatever. Very caref- carefully, like, hand traced the letters. And then I went in with white fabric paint, just went at it and was so, like, articulate about it. And I would get so mad if someone would walk close to me because I didn't want them to bump me. But yeah, I just painted it and I fell in love with it. And I think it's kind of one of those things where. One, if I don't know how to accessorize an outfit, I'll kind of automatically throw it on and just be like, oh, this is an easy thing to dress up my outfit, whatever. But also it's one of my pieces in my closet that I feel most confident in. So it's kind of like I put it on and my like villain persona comes out. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, for I'm cool now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really cool. I think that's a great story of how you decided that you kind of focused on yourself. Uh, and not on what others wanted or what they thought. Um, So looking at all of your clothes and all this stuff, do you have a favorite outfit? Something Mm. that you just are like, that's what I like. Uh, No matter what day it is, I could wear that all week. And it's amazing. Oh my gosh,
0: this is a really good question. (laughs) Um, I think, oh man, I mean, kind of, a favorite but also just like a staple if there's I don't know what to wear I'll do a pair of good American jeans that are like this really pretty blue color with just a simple white button down and I'll button it up and then only tuck in one like corner of it so it's kind of like a um, off-balance tuck and whatnot and then I will usually just wear a pair of like black booties with it or even my Converse or like cute sneakers or something and then accessorize it with um gold jewelry gold jewelry um i'm a big earring person not so much like bracelets or um bracelets or anything but um or necklaces but i'll do the jewelry and kind of play it up with that but i think that's my favorite because it's just like super simple but super clean and like classy so (laughs) it's fun
2: interesting Uh, i didn't hear the blue heels or the red lipstick in that uh, one I know <laughs> must not be a top favorite anymore
0: I
1: would I love to see him someday him. I'd love to see him someday here
0: maybe I'll nervous. break him out for the spring banquet Fantastic. I didn't think about that so what have we learned today from hearing each other's stories
1: I think I've learned that the world needs us to show up and just be who we are called to be and to use our innate passions to positively impact the entire world around us. You know, in the midst of constant innovation, pandemics, trends, and the pressure to climb the corporate ladder, there's pressure to conform to the standards of our world. We must be steadfast in our fashion choices, business practices, and ultimately be purpose-driven in all the things that we do in the world.
2: And what I learned from all these stories is that we need to stay true to ourselves and pursue what makes us happy. Uh, It doesn't matter what the world thinks or what others think about us. As long as we stay true to ourselves and we're confident in ourselves, uh, it doesn't matter how we dress, how we act, or how we can pursue our dreams because it makes us happy and it can make others happy as well.
0: Mm -hmm. I think the main takeaway for me is that there truly is power in being our own individual selves, and that power is not only what makes each of us unique, um, but it's what can inspire others as well, because I know that for myself, it was inspiring to hear Alex and Hannah's stories. Um, so it was just really like worthwhile to sit here and hear that. And then I also think that individually, individuality is something that needs to be celebrated more. We
1: would like to thank some people for helping us out on the Modern Story podcast here at Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh,
2: first, we would like to thank Nick swetland and Alyssa Tay for building this podcast studio and giving us access to it.
0: Mm-hmm. And thank you to Ellie McLaughlin for helping us in the podcast studio. Um, Thank you to the writers who inspired our stories. And we should also just thank each other because we edited each other's stories and we were able to share with each other.
1: And most importantly, please be on the lookout for the next episode of the Modern Story Podcast.
2: And with these stories, you should go and tell people about them. Uh, You could start by telling your mother. Then, you could follow it up by going to your youth pastor, and then, you know, occasional dentist visits, and you can tell all those people. Now, if you want to get venturous, you could tell the campus squirrels, or tell the goats. You could tell your barista, or your second cousin. And now, while I don't recommend this one because it's just way too far, you could tell the people in the distance over at North.